the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So what are my credentials? Why do I think I can talk on this show? Well, as I've shared with you before, in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. One, as a master of the laws of taxation law, and the other as a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of my great master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in the most beautiful city in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Well, maybe like, you know, New York's okay sometimes, <laughs> but I'm talking about San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and my lifelong interest in business and economics, and the role that these theories, philosophies uh, play in our everyday lives, that is to say the everyday lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and also taxation law. And as I've also shared with you in the past, I sometimes am able, as part of my overall practice, to seek out and at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of more and more pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that can wipe out a life savings in a matter of minutes. Now, I want to share with you uh, what you really need to do to try to prevent this. If someone you don't know, um, for example, they call up and say that PG&E is going to disconnect your your, uh, service, or they're calling from the Internal Revenue Service, and they're going to send out you know, cops to arrest you and your children. And you might say, well, take my children because they're a pain in the behind, but don't take me. So what you need to do is ask these three questions. And I guarantee, well, I can't guarantee, but more than likely they will hang up. Ask them to state their name clearly and spell their first, last name and their middle initial. Ask them for their ID, their badge number. If they're a a person calling you from the government, and I got to tell you, the Internal Revenue Service doesn't call you. They write you. But ask them for their badge number. 
and then ask them for the direct telephone number of their supervisor. And they will hang up so fast, it'll make your head spin, okay? Because what they're going to do is get some personal identification information from you and either have you go get a debit card and pay them or they are going to attempt to steal your identity. So just just use that. Make them identify themselves and give a telephone number that you can call them back on and they won't do it. Because the number that's showing up on your handset or your headset or your um, your iPhone or whatever, they purchased that number and it might be a 202 number making you think they're calling from Washington, D.C. Or it might be a number that makes you think they're coming calling from PG&E, but they're not. And if they are, they will tell you their name, they will give you their identification number, their, their badge number, and they will give you a return phone number and you tell them that you'll call them right back and they will hang up if they're fraudulent. Okay, so I'm coming to you again today from my continued voluntary lockdown in my makeshift studios in my home in another one of the world's great cities, that is to say the always beautiful Oakland, California. And I'm coming to you to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must, notwithstanding the general advice I just gave you about how to detect if someone's trying to perpetrate a fraud on you, I must again share with you that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sight of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that you need to consider as you seek out more qualified professional help, be it, be it um, legal or financial or both. And I do this because as I've known for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter, it's just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. Again, if you're lucky and your adversary is napping, you might be able to sneak up on her and scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye, but more than likely it's going to be you that's going to be dead on arrival. I'm not talking about you as a mortal being. I'm talking about your valid claims and your righteous defenses. That is to say, they're going to see the promised land way before you do, because you are not going to be fully equipped with what you need to deal with an adversary that's coming after your house or your car or part of your income that you need to take care of yourself and your family. So once again, I'm going to share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and your finances, or unfortunately in in today's times, the lack thereof, and what you may need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your business and your employees' health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. Well, Today, we're going to continue our slight detour of our show that we started a couple weeks ago when we talked about the divergence between our overall economy and the stock market and how one of them is going sideways. Well, now both of them might be going sideways, but there is a disconnect. And when people tell you that the criteria for 
electing them to be president or electing them to some kind of political office is the condition of the stock market when you know you barely have enough money to pay for your groceries there's a disconnect and you know we've been talking about that and the fact that you know notwithstanding the stock market when it's going well has very little to do with your ability to take care of yourself so again i want to focus on Folks who are facing retirement, that's a slight detour because, um, you know, the mainstream economy, the main street economy and the stock market play a role in determining if we, you and me, all of us are going to be able to live out the estimated 25 years that we will live in retirement. And even if we don't make it for 25 years, we need to at least plan for it and then have an estate plan where if there's a residual, it will go to who it is that we want to have our legacy, our financial legacy. And that's because, you know, the disconnect and the lack of the ability to take care of ourselves has to do with the fact that most middle-class people, including white middle-class working people, don't have enough money saved and invested. First you save it, then you invest it to have a nest egg. And that's because overall in America, people have $40,000 saved. White middle income folks have uh, on average $40,000 saved. And folks who are reaching a time retirement, that is to say people between the ages of 55 and 64, only have $88,000 saved. And unfortunately, uh, because blacks and browns have about 10% of what the uh, our white counterparts have, that means that most black and brown people have about $8,000 to live off of for 25 years. So if $88,000 isn't going to be enough to live off for 25 years, there's no way in hell $8,000 is going to do anything but, you know, make your portfolio look like it's annoying. So these figures come from a, uh, a 2018 uh, report by Brown J.E., Siad Lester J., and Oakley D., and the title of their report was Median Account Balances for Working Age Individuals with Positive Retirement Account Balance. Last time I told you, most people have a negative account balance or none at all. And they broke it down over the age groups. Young people have about $11,000 saved. When they get 35 to 44, they have $35,000 saved. Six, uh, 45 to 54, about $60,000 saved. And when they're ready to reach retirement age, on the doorstep of retirement age, they have only 88000 So today we're going to ask the question another way. Will your retirement income be enough to get you through those 25 to 30 years that you might live in the top retirement? And my source material today for discussion is Investopedia. It's a website, uh, and there's a great articles there. Uh, and I'm going to be uh, sharing you one that was written by Gene Fogel. And you can um, go to Investopedia and get all kinds of free content. Just Google Investopedia. And my other source is a, a survey by Charles Schwab about um, 401k participants and Google charge Charles Schwab. So when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on will I, will you have 
enough retirement money to live off of for 25 to 30 years. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue today's discussion on what retiring seniors need to consider in determining whether or if their retirement income will be enough to last the 25 to 30 years many of us will live post age 65 or 66 when it whenever it is we can uh, retire with our full um, social security amount which is I think is a good um, um, milestone to determine. Again, my source materials for today's discussion is information that taken from the Investopedia website. And there's a particular article entitled, Will Your Retirement Income Be Enough? And it was written by Gene Fogler and republished on that website on January 16, 2020. And again, Investopedia has tons of free content on money matters including how to budget, how to save, and how to invest. And that's for the general public. And they also have um, courses for financial professionals that they charge for. Now, you can just Google Investopedia, like encyclopedia, but Investopedia. And my other source is a 2019 survey by Charles Schwab. That's an investment company that's headquartered here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they did a survey of 401k participants. And again, you can just Google Charles Schwab and look for their um, 2019 survey. Okay. So here's the question. Will your retirement income be enough to get you through? Well, again, according to this 2019 survey, from Charles Schwab Retirement Plan Services, they found that 401k participants think they'll need about $1.7 million to retire. I remember last week I shared with you some other sources that thought that, you know, depending on how much you want to live off of, that is to say, take out of your nest egg, your invested net nest egg, it's somewhere between 2.6 million if you have, you know, your high maintenance, or it was around 1.6 if you were like medium maintenance. Now, of course, many people in the U.S. aren't investing enough to reach that savings goal and the income that it brings. Again, you save and you also invest your savings, so your um, nest egg will have babies, babies that you don't need to change their diapers. Now, to find out if your retirement income will be enough, you have to start estimating your retirement expenses. That's a good place to start. So to know if you have enough income in retirement, start by estimating your expenses. Okay. And in addition to your Social Security benefits and a traditional pension, if you're fortunate enough to have one, you probably will spend about 4% of your savings each year. So if your retirement income won't be enough to cover your expenses, then you got to figure out what to do. And it's like anything else in life, like a diet, you have to, you know, increase your, uh, your workout 
or decrease the amount of food that you eat. So it's the inverse for a retirement saving plan. You have to find a way to increase your income while you're in retirement. So say maybe getting a part-time job, uh, tutoring children who have to be taught at home. And you also need to reduce your expenses or you might need to do both. So there are various formulas to estimate your retirement expenses, all of which are a rough guesstimate at best. One well-known rule is that you will need 80% of the amount you spend in now in your retirement. So that percentage is based on the fact that some major expenses will go down in your retirement. That is just you won't be commuting. Well, many of us aren't commuting right now because we're quarantined at home or we're you know, voluntarily at home. But generally, when the economy is working, there's commute expenses, and for example, and retirement plan contributions, you're not going to be making that retirement plan contribution to through your employer because you won't be working for them. So that, those are two examples of how your expenses will go down. Of course, other expenses may go up especially if you plan on traveling in retirement and you want to help your grandkids get into and graduate from college. Um, and, you know, as we get older, we have health care needs. And um, even if Medicare doesn't get squashed, uh, it doesn't pay for any, everything. We need to, we'll need to supplement that. So those are things that you need to think about. Some of your expenses will go down, but some of your expenses will go up. And so a good, just, uh, Rule of thumb is to project that um, you will only need to underwrite 80% of the expenses in your budget right now if you're still working. Now, many retirees report that their expenses in the first year, few years, not only equal what it was that they were uh, expending while they were working, but they may exceed them. Again, um, you know, some retirees uh, kind of lose it a little bit and don't have a budget and don't stick to the budget. So they might find themselves overextended and they'll need to like buckle up and kind of put on the brakes as it were. Now, it's common for retirees expenses to go to, to, to through three distinct phases. There's higher spending early on as you kind of have to recalibrate what it is that you're doing. Then there's a modest spending for the long period after that. And then there's higher spending as we reach the end of life. And that's due to medical and long-term care expenses. So initially, um, higher spending, then we kind of buckle down and get used to our lives in retirement. So we don't spend as much. But towards the end of life, our medical expenses or our long-term care expenses are going to go up as we become less able to take care of ourselves. We might end up in a retirement home or a home where we get a lot of care from outside folks, and that's going to cost money. So we need to put that into our budget. We also need to consider the standard of living we want to have in retirement. Now, this is kind of hard to predict, so you know you have to think about this the, the closer you get to retirement age, the more you think about what it is, what it is my, my life all about in retirement. Is it going to be full of the self-gratification expenses that uh, I, we went through when we were teenagers and young adults? 
Um, hopefully not, but sometimes that's the case. Uh, we don't have to have a, a Maserati to show off to the opposite sex that we're we're old and crazy. We need to like figure out how we're going to make our money last for 25 to 30 years with the goal of even if we, you know, kick the bucket in year 12 or 15, if we budgeted it for the whole 25 to 30 years, there'll be something of a legacy. Maybe it might be enough to send one of our grandkids through college. So how much do I need to retire? That's what you need to consider. Many financial advisors boil it down to a rule of thumb that is a starting point, 4% sustainable withdrawal rate. So what does that mean in plain English? Essentially, this is the amount you can theoretically withdraw through thick and thin and still expect your portfolio to last 25 to 30 years. Now, not every financial expert agrees with this 4% rule, but yeah you need to say that you're not going to take out more than 4% of your portfolio. And that'll give you some guide rails, some guardrails. Okay, so if you stick to the 4% rule, here's how much you could withdraw annually from three different nest egg pots. So say you have a half a million dollars when the day you retire. 4% of a half a million dollars is $20,000 a year. But say you have a million dollars, then you could double that to $40,000 a year. Or if you're fortunate enough to have $2 million, you'll have, be able to, under this 4% rule, you'll be able to withdraw and live off of $80,000 a year. So to figure out how much you'll need for retirement, take the estimated monthly expenses and make sure that these expenses are realistic. Divide by four. So, for example, if you estimate that you're going to need $50,000 a year to live comfortably, that's about $4,200 a month, you'll need $1.25 million, and that's $50,000 divided by 0.04 going into your retirement. Okay? So, what, where, what are the sources of retirement income you're likely to have? Well, they're going to come from Two pots, mostly, and three if you're lucky. So what are the three pots? Social Security retirement benefit that most of us are, are eligible. A defined benefit pension plan. If you're fortunate enough to have worked for a company that has a defined benefit pension plan, and these are mostly large corporations, or it might be uh, governmental employees, fire persons, police persons, and the like. And the third pot of money is going to be that retirement savings that you ponied up yourself and hopefully invested when you were young, starting at you know age 20 with that first job, you save and then invest it. And because you had a long time horizon, you're able to let that money percolate up for you for many, many years uh, until you come to the point where you were able to retire. So again, Social Security benefit. Unfortunately, there are some in our elected officials who think Social Security benefits are a waste of their tax dollars. Um, and I, again, I don't understand why some seniors are crazy about uh, politicians that want to uh, harm the Social Security trust fund. That's where that money comes from. Young people 
put money into uh, the Social Security Trust Fund for old geezers like you and me to be able to pull out when we're over the retirement age. And that's where a substantial amount of people, that, those are the only benefits that some people are going to get. However, if you also were lucky enough to have worked for a major company with a defined benefit pension plan, that's another source of income. And then that is the retirement savings that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And we're going to continue this discussion because I think this issue is so critical to the well-being, not only of those of us in retirement, but for our country and for our young folks. And so that's why I'm going to spend some more time on this issue. But we're going to bring our discussion to an end right now. But as always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, and that including the law of large and sometimes small numbers, <laughs> unfortunately, that we need to live off of for the 25 to 30 years that we need to at least plan for in our old age. So till next time, please wear your mask, keep your social distancing, wash your hands, and let's get through this COVID-19 together. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 